0: again everyone and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host Tony Brown. Today is Sunday the 14th of April 2013. Before we jump into the show let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail which is area code 206-745-2731 or you can go to the website which is firearmscafe.com. On the right hand side of the page is a send voicemail tab. When you click on it, you'll be able to send up to a 90-second message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. All right, guys, we have one bit of feedback today, which I'll go ahead and read. we got an email, and then I'm going to give my interpretation of the Manchin-To-Me universal background check legislation that they're putting forward. So let's go ahead and jump in with uh, with the email here. It says, Hi, I am Tiago, and I enjoy your podcast very much. I really think podcasts like yours help bring true knowledge of why we should keep and bear arms. I wasn't born an American. But I did choose to become one, and I take my oath to protect the Constitution very seriously. Moreover, unlike most politicians, I embrace all of it, not just the part that suits my convictions. A few episodes ago, you discussed gun rights in Canada and the process that is entailed when a Canadian decides that he or she wants to become a gun owner. Well, I thought it would be interesting to share my experience of my attempt of at gun ownership in my country of birth, Brazil. Moreover, I thought that people might appreciate even more our Constitution and they understand what a person who's a potential gun owner in other nations have to go through in order to exercise the full measure of their humanity. When I became 17, I had to serve in a six-month basic military course, which is mandatory to all Brazilian males. And during the service, I held and shot a gun for the first time. It was a Brazilian 8mm Mauser, and I was taken by the experience and loved it. I was instantly in love with firearms. And finally, when I came of legal age, 18, I decided that I wanted to become a gun owner. What followed was nothing more than an exercise in futility, and I was about to learn what type of country Brazil was. I was shocked to learn that our Brazilian constitution had no provision or amendment that gave its citizens the right to keep and bear arms. All firearms in Brazil called armas de fogo acquisitions need to go through the Polícia Federal, which is Brazil's FBI, and when I called to get the information, I was forwarded a document which gave me the, uh, the requirements to be met in order to own a gun. And you need to be at least 25 years old. You need to present the national ID, which is the Regist- uh, Registro General and Social Security card, CPF. You must include a letter explaining why you need to own a gun and for what purpose you'll be using it. You must present a certificate that claims you have no criminal priors. And this is issued by your local police or the Policia Militar. You need to present proof that you earn a living on a licit occupation. You need to present a certificate that you passed a firearms aptitude test and a psychological test by a certified psychologist. You have to provide a recent photo and pay a fee equivalent to $30. U.S. Dollars. Now, after you file the application with all the requirements above, you got to wait. The Policia Federal, which is again the Brazilian FBI, may or may not give you that permit. Whether or not you might have fulfilled all their requirements. But let's say that you do get a firearms permit. You'll need to go shopping for a gun. And gun stores are so rare that there are less than 30 of them in a country that is just a bit smaller than the United States. However, you drive a few hundred miles and get yourself to a gun store. You talk to the owner and you decide what gun you're gonna buy. You pay, but you cannot take that gun with you. You need to apply for a firearm transit permit, which is specific to the firearm that you've bought and from origin to destination. So after you get that transit permit, You can then return to the store and take your gun home which is described as the destination of your transit permit now you are home and you have a firearm well there are a few more restrictions you can have a maximum of six firearms two handguns two rifled long guns and two smoothbore long guns you can only buy 50 rounds of ammo per month Per firearm that you own, firearms you buy have to be of a permissible caliber. In handguns, it's 22 long rifle, 25 auto, 32 auto, 32 Smith and Wesson, 38 special, and 380 auto. Shotguns are 12 gauge only, and in rifles, you're limited to 22 long rifle, 3220, 40, and 4440. You cannot shoot your guns outside properties you own, no shooting ranges. You must get a firearm transit permit every time you want to take your guns from one place to another. So needless to say, at 18, I wasn't even able to apply for that firearm permit. Well, long story short, I ended up here and I became a citizen in 2005. I love this country more than the one I was born into. I have a deep respect for our Constitution, and I hope people become aware of how other countries handle firearm ownership. And that, that will illustrate how bad things can get if we don't draw a line in the sand. Keep up the good work, and I will continue listening to you. Sincerely, Tiago. Well, hey, Tiago, thanks for sending that in. And uh, it's a little belated, but congratulations on becoming a uh, U.S. citizen. And I'm proud to have you as a fellow American and a fellow gun owner. You know, a lot of things that he talked about there, uh, it, it really shows that how restrictions can become so onerous that for most people it's not even worth trying to go through all the hassle to just get a firearm. Also, you see sort of one of those things that we talked about last time, which is maybe one of those unintended consequences of having such onerous restrictions placed on the individual is that there's not a lot of gun stores there because it probably is so difficult for the average person to even get the permit and, and get the firearm. So again, Tiago, thanks for writing in. Um, I did have kind of one question and I wasn't real clear that one part where you said you can't shoot guns outside properties you own and no shooting ranges. So did you mean that you can only shoot them at shooting ranges? And is there, is there hunting allowed that type of stuff? Or are there, I wonder, are there only special places you can go that type of thing? So anyway, uh, again, thanks for sending that in. Really appreciate it and hope to hear from you again real soon. All right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this new mentioned Toomey bill, which is actually called, instead of a universal background check, it is called Public Safety and Second Amendment Rights Protection Act. I think that is what it's called. Before we get into that, I guess there's the Schumer bill which was uh, something about the background check. And I think, from my understanding, what's going to happen is that this bill, if procedurally certain things go certain ways, it will basically replace what Schumer had written. Now, also on some articles it's it 's hard to it's hard to find a lot of information and a lot of sort of non bias interpretations of what we 're kind of seeing here uh, so again i I may or may not have all this stuff right. One thing I will say is that the Second Amendment foundation uh, from some of the articles i've i've Read either had something to do with this or helped write it or helped draft it, um, but they kind of approve of it. And and normally, and I can't remember what happened a while back where they the Second Amendment Foundation was kind of taking some heat because people didn't really understand the full scope of what was going on. And I don't, again, I don't remember necessarily what that was, but it, it turned out that you know these guys kind of know what they're doing. So if they're behind it, I. I can give it a little bit of leeway, but again, since I don't fully understand uh, what's going on here, uh, I can't fully endorse it as of yet. But basically, from going over it, uh, again, these things are needlessly long, and this would probably be considered a very short one. There's a bunch of stuff in there about how things get funded and all this other kind of nonsense. And then when you kind of get down to the nitty gritty of it, so to speak. Uh, there's there's some points, and I'll just kind of go over and read read some of these points at, and I kind of just have these things in more of my own words. But basically, it starts off, and they're saying that Congress affirms that the individual does have a right to keep and bear arms, and that it is an individual right. Also, they're saying that there can be no national Firearms registry that can be brought about because of the universal background checks and that no again national is the key word there registry can be maintained by any um i I guess it would at this point be any federal agency there was a thing in there where it said that congress believes that there should be prosecution for a registry so if they find let's say uh Uh, ATF or or something like that, is in violation that they're keeping an actual registry. It's not that they're saying that there will be prosecution, but that that Congress believes that there should be prosecution for that registry. So basically that means there'll never be prosecution for that if it's a government agency. Um, It also calls for that the states and the Department of Justice will cooperate to input mental health records very, very quickly into the... uh, Uh, the next check it also sets up some procedures for returning veterans that are coming home and if they're having a problem so sometimes uh, supposedly in the past they would say well how are your finances doing how are things going is is everything okay and the guy say like ah you know i'm feeling a little uneasy or i'm having some trouble here and there and what they would do then sometimes is they would then say well then you're mentally incompetent and you can't have any weapons you can't have any firearms so this is saying that there there are going to be procedures and things and it's kind of lengthy are, are put into place that if somebody is having problems and seeking help that they're not going to be automatically denied their gun rights. It also sets up a thing that says that the FBI can't charge a user fee for the for the uh, uh the end, the uh, the background check. So again like we had talked about on the last show that if if uh, they can set a fee of $20 why can't they set it for $200 or $2000 later down the road so they also did a thing that at gun shows that the requests the uh, the background crest requests that are coming from gun shows or events gun show type events have to get priority so you have to process those ahead of things that are coming from other like from a regular gun store so if there was a big gun show here in phoenix and there were 20 requests from that gun show and there were four from from a, a local gun store those 20 requests have to be taken care of prior to the gun store requests now the the big thing about private sales and that's really what a lot of of concern I guess that that people have and that I have so I'm going to kind of read this out a little bit verbatim here. But what they're saying is that it shall be unlawful for any person other than a licensed dealer, licensed manufacturer, or licensed importer to complete the transfer of a firearm to any other person who is not licensed under this chapter if such transfer occurs at a gun show or event on the curtilage thereof or which I guess basically means like anywhere on the property um, or pursuant to an advertisement posting or display or other listing on the internet or in any publication by the transfer transferer of his intent to transfer or the transferee of his intent to acquire the firearm so that's a mouthful So What What does that basically mean And what I think it means Is that as a private individual If I'm at a gun show I cannot sell A firearm to another private individual That I If I have posted an ad on the internet and somebody sees that because we saw the ad on the internet we can't i can't sell that to a person or a person who sees that ad can't buy it from something that's been posted any in any way on the internet now there are exceptions to this so meaning exceptions to the person-to-person thing so if you and I were to go to a dealer and we would give the firearm, to so a licensed individual, we were to give them the firearm for the purpose of transferring that firearm from me to you and neither of us are licensed, the dealer doesn't have to perform the instant background check if I think both of us have valid CCW permits. So, if you have a valid concealed carry permit, the other thing, and this didn't really—I didn't really understand this—and make—and it didn't really make sense. Now, going back to that thing about um, about doing the the transfer. Let's say so we both have the permits, so we don't have to do the background check, which is the way it is now. if, If we're going through a dealer. Um, the, I, I don't know if you still have to fill out the, what is it? The, the paperwork uh, that form the 4433 or whatever it is. You guys know what it is. 44. I can't remember. Anyway, the paperwork you got to fill out when you buy a gun. I don't know if you still have to do that. Um, I would imagine that you would, there's nothing in here that really says that it basically just references, you know, previous law. So I, I would imagine that that would be the case. Now, there was something here that said that you have another exception to, uh, again, a person to person sale. If you're both residents of the, of the state, so like we'll say Arizona. So if you're both residents of the state of Arizona and at the time of transfer or at the time of sale, we're we're also in Arizona at that time, so if we were both Arizona residents and we were in Colorado, you, I couldn't sell you the gun because we wouldn't be Arizona. We wouldn't be in Arizona. So it says again: if we're both uh, if we're both residents of the same state and are in the same state at the time of transfer, then the then if the attorney general, the attorney general can say it's okay if it says that the laws of transfer so that the how how you'd be able to transfer a firearm i guess to each other are generally equivalent to the instant background check now i don't know how that's possible i don't know the the the, the only thing that that i think that might mean would be that if both of us had to the best of our knowledge, like if we had CCW permits, if we had concealed carry permits, and we were able to show those to each other, and say these are still valid, and we would have to at that point on good faith say, okay, yeah, you know, we, we have reason to believe that these are valid. I don't know that the attorney general would ever say that you and I showing each other our concealed carry permits is equivalent to doing a background check. I. I Don't understand how that's possible, unless again, it's all very confusing. The wording of it is odd. Uh, It references other stuff. Um, Now, here's here's a a big thing that people were 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 kind of talking about, and from what I can tell, it it defines basically transfer as you selling it, so it's with the intent of the other person will acquire the firearm with intent of ownership. Um so it's not that if if we if you and I were at the range and I hand you my rifle then I've transferred it to you. It, I I think it spells some of that stuff out as well. Uh, but one another one of the exceptions which people were also worried about was saying well what if I wanted to sell my gun or give my gun as a gift or whatever to my brother? Do I have to go and do the background check? And so what this says is they spell it out. And again, it's all in oddball language, but basically it says that if it's basically between direct family and or extended family, meaning aunts, uncles, grandparents, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. um, So let's say that you, your nephew's wife who isn't going to necessarily have a a blood relation to you that she wants to buy your uh your smith and wesson nine millimeter um she wants to buy your mp9 you could under that i think sell it to them and you wouldn't have to do any of the background check stuff now This, again, puts a little bit of the burden on you, the seller, meaning, and also you as the buyer, meaning that you would have to think that it wouldn't be stolen property. You would also have to, on both sides, believe that each person had the ability to possess a firearm so that they couldn't be prohibited possessors. Uh, But with the family thing, I don't know how far down it's going to go. Um... So I don't know if, like, I would think that my my wife, her cousins, they have, uh, they have children. And let's say that their children, that uh, my cousins by marriage, let's say that their children got married. When their kids get married and they have a kid and that person gets married, you know, are they considered part of the family? I don't know. It almost seems like they kind of stop the line... At maybe at a second, at, at maybe at a first cousin. But again, with that, let's say that that uh, I've got that MP and nine, and I'm going to sell it to my cousin. Once I sell it to my cousin, if the law said, well, that's as far as that I can sell the gun to, there would then be no limitation on my cousin selling or giving that gun to her kid. Um, and again, if I, if, even if I knew that that gun was going to end up at that person, at at her child later, I think as long as I knew that that gun eventually doesn't end up in the hands of somebody who's a prohibited possessor, um, I think he would be all right as far as being Im- immune from civil liability. Now I could be wrong on that. And I don't know how the, some of this stuff is going to be ironed out in the future, If, But I think my responsibility would be only to the person that I am selling it to. So as long as I know that that person isn't a prohibited possessor, and this would be, again, if it's a family member under the definition. Um, Now, kind of going on to some other things, it's basically saying that licensed people, so dealers, importers, manufacturers, if they're selling stuff and if they've made all the reasonable efforts to follow the rules and done all this other stuff, That they're not going to be, uh, they they won't be able to be prosecuted. Um, Again, going back to to you and I as individuals who aren't FFL dealers, if we sell a gun, let's say to a family member, or we go through uh, an, an actual licensed dealer type thing, we as individuals are not required. To keep records again, as long as we don't think that there's any reason that that person would be a prohibited possessor, so it's more I think that would have to be selling it to or giving it to or just basically to what we'll call transfer of ownership to a family member. Uh, we don't have to keep any records. Uh, also, there I don't think I think there's some protections in there for. For you or I as the seller, if we go through a, uh, if we go through a dealer and do the background check and the person we're selling it to comes up clean, if then six months later that person goes on a shooting spree, we wouldn't be held liable. We would be immune from civil liability and criminal prosecution because we had gone through the, the, the steps, so to speak. Also, kind of in that same scenario as long as they uh, the background check has been gone through internet sites like gunbroker and all these arms usa or whatever i think those sites would be immune from prosecution and liability they define a gun show as a place where there's at least uh where where 75 or more guns are present for sale and there's something like if, if guns have been like imported from other things. I, I kind of didn't really understand that. But anyway, part of that thing said that it didn't include private collections of unlicensed people. So again, let's say that your grandfather has been collecting 1911s over the past 50 years. And he's got 110 of them. Uh, and he, and you go in there and he's saying, Hey, pick, you know, pick two of these out and uh, give me 50 bucks and we'll call it even because of the number of firearms that that person possesses because it would be more than 75. I guess what they're trying to do is say that even if somebody has a massive collection, they couldn't, they, they couldn't get you on a technicality and say that that was a gun show. And so therefore you had to Uh, there there would be other responsibilities or things like that from from him as a seller and for you as the buyer. Uh, There's also some stuff in there about interstate transport of firearms and ammunition. And pretty much it's real similar to what is going on now. And I think that if you're going from state to state, I think it would kind of codify stuff. And it, again, it was a little confusing because they threw in something about the, that particular state's rules. But basically, it seemed like it was saying that if you had, let's say, you've got a, a car with a trunk, you can transport that weapon pretty much anywhere. You can um, stop to get f- uh, gas or food. You can, um, if you were if if you are stopping overnight at a hotel, you can take that gun in with you. Um, I think it may, again, this is more for the transport, so you can actually take it out of the vehicle to to, to keep it safe type thing. Um, And there may be different laws for once you're actually kind of in your temporary resident and that would go state by state. But uh, you would have to have it either in a locked case or you would have to have it unloaded. Um, If you're in something like an SUV where there's no there's no trunk. You would have to have it to where it would be inaccessible to you or in some type of a locked thing. Again, it's, it's a little wonky on how they do some of that stuff. So anyway, um, I don't know if, if things part, there was a big thing that was sent out basically saying, here's these 16 Republican people that kind of, you know, voted for this thing to come through and the filibuster wasn't done and this and that. And from what I can determine, it seems that the reason that they did that was so that this legislation or this bill is would be able to kind of take the place of the Schumer bill, which would be much more restrictive. Now, I, I don't know, again... If other things can be added or if things can be stricken, from my understanding, from some of the articles that I've read, it's hard to piece this stuff together. I'm not sure on the procedures, but it seems like that if Toomey and what the heck was that guy's name, uh, Mansion, don't like it or something like that, if, if too much stuff gets added or or, or brought on, they can there's somehow where they can they they have the votes to be able to kill it right away. I guess. I, I don't know. Um, I, like I said, it's hard to make heads or tails of a lot of this stuff. I just I don't have the, the knowledge or the experience of how they're doing this kind of jazz. Uh, if that is the case, it may be a thing where too much stuff gets added to it and it gets defeated. Um, so there, there may not be any new additions to it. If, if that is not the case, though, and let's say that the Schumer bill gets knocked out, and this bill gets brought in, which I think is going to be voted in on Tuesday, which will be the 16th, I think. And what happens after that, I'm not sure. Um, but if that if that happens, I think... Again, based on what the Attorney General would say, and I don't know if that's the Attorney General of that state, I, I, because this is a federal bill, I think it has to be the uh, the Attorney General, which would be Holder. I think it pretty much is an end to private sales unless you're a family member without having to go through the background check. Um there may be some things here that are, are strengthened, but it seems to me from, from my understanding and the part that I'm confused about is when they say the, the part about if you're both residents of the same state, let me see if I can actually find it here. Um, And there I mean there's just tons and tons of junk in here um, let me see if I can pull this up here uh, oh there's a bunch of other stuff about you know that they can't they can't come in and seize records and do all this other kind of stuff um, where is that part blah 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 boy there is something to tell you this thing is. Oh, if you want, you can go over to. Uh, just type in like Senator Toomey T O O, M E Y, and you can go to his website, and it'll. You can actually kind of read the bill. Um, there's something about uh, the attorney general has approved the transfer under section 5812 of the Internal Revenue Code of 1986. I have no idea what that means. That may have to do something with. Uh, machine guns. Um, Okay, I'm going to read this verbatim. Uh, The transfer is made between an unlicensed transferor and an unlicensed transferee residing in the same state which takes place in such state if the Attorney General certifies that that state in which the transfer takes place has in effect requirements under law that are generally equivalent to the requirements of this section and the transfer was conducted in compliance with the laws of the state. Um, I Again, this stuff is... I need somebody smarter than me to, to kind of help me go over some of this stuff. So I... I in in looking at this stuff i think again it would be the end of of non governmental involvement in firearms transfers between free individuals meaning if bill wants to sell a gun to jane and he's not and they're not related can't do it Unless they go to a dealer and fill out the government paperwork or get the government background check, and again, even though there was no mention of the the paperwork, they kind of mention it as you know, oh, you got to still comply with the laws. If you go to the gun store or the pawn shop or wherever, where there is wherever there's an FFL dealer, you got to fill out that form. I think. Because they've got to cover themselves. Um, so there is, even though they say there's not going to be a record and, and Congress quote-unquote believes that there should be prosecution if they find uh, that uh, agency is keeping records, I think there will be there will be a record. Because remember, the gun store or the pawn shop or that FFL dealer has to keep, from my understanding, has to keep those records for 20 years. I wish there was something in here. I didn't see it. There, there may be. I may just couldn't find it. I wish there was something in here that said that after that background check that the paperwork only has to be kept for like two months or even if you want to say for two years. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I guess, if anybody out there really has kind of gone over this thing and, and really knows a lot more or if through the course of the upcoming week you hear on different shows or different things like that, things where it kind of really clarifies some of the stuff that I'm kind of confused on, shoot me an email, let me know. Um, like I said, I, I, uh, I'm I not too happy with this stuff e- either way. Um, it does seem like it is an end to private sales again between you know bill and jane that it won't be an end of private sales uh, or or transfer i guess i should say this 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 call just transfer of ownership from um somebody who's not a family member now what's going to happen if this stuff does go through you know that eventually the anti-gun people are going to say that this stuff by being able for a grandfather to be able to transfer it to the wife of his grandson. Well, he doesn't know that person and why should he be able to do that? And all this other kind of crap. So, um, I'm sure they're going to be, you know, wanting to, they'll, they'll never be satisfied, but of course we, we know that already. So anyway, I've kind of rambled on a, a long enough and I've probably confused you quite a bit. So I think I will call it to a close and I will talk to you guys next time. Got a phone call. Degenerate. I love drugs and drinking and gambling, and my moral compass always points south. Yeah.